0: Well, hello friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. I'm Chris Taylor and I'm gonna be your host today. Let me tell you, we're so happy that you're listening in today. In fact, if this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org and I'd be glad to talk with you. Well, it's Easter Sunday and what a day to wrap up our Making a Messiah series. We've looked at the evidence of his unmatched power and authoritative teaching. We've heard his claims about himself. We've heard verdicts from the people around him and we've talked about some of our potential verdicts. Now we're wrapping it all up by looking at God's verdict and Jesus's resurrection. And that's powerful stuff. And we've spent several months talking about it. But it doesn't matter what we think. You see, it's your verdict about Jesus that matters. Each of us has to decide for ourselves who we think Jesus is and if we will truly follow him. So go ahead and grab your favorite Easter candy for future reference. Mine is Reese's eggs or Cadbury cream eggs. Feel free to bring me those anytime and listen in to our Easter Sunday service. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc pattison
1: Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat if you'd like. We are so glad that you guys are here this morning, and I think God is too. We know some of you guys are watching over in the video venue, some of you guys are watching us online, and we're glad you're here, Capital City, Easter morning. Now, if you're a guest here, you've never been here before, there's some Connect cards in the chairs in front of you. If you want to pull out one of those Connect cards, put down a little information, we'd love to give you some more information about what's going on here at Capital City. And if you uh, actually flip that over, it lists some of the different missions that we support here. And if you want to mark one of those missions, we'll make a donation of $5 to that mission in your name, if you just give us your information. We appreciate that. Okay, guys, we've been making the case for Jesus, the Messiah, since January. We've laid out some of the evidence. Now, certainly, it's not all the evidence. Not time for that. But we haven't even gotten to the coup de grace yet. Jesus made some incredibly audacious claims about himself. He made some extraordinary demands on us. He made some of the craziest promises imaginable. So, was he the most sinister liar ever? Was he the craziest lunatic you've ever heard? Or was he really who he claimed to be the Messiah, your Savior, your Lord? Now, it's pretty obvious where we stand. We've been singing about it this morning. And it used to be that most of the people around us believe that stuff too. At least, kind of. But that's changing, isn't it? It's becoming less and less respectable to be a Jesus follower. To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, our Savior and our Lord. CNN posted an article just last week that says, for the first time in our history, there are more Americans who claim no religion than those who claim to be either evangelicals or Catholics. They call them the religious nuns. Not about ladies in black habits. This is about those who claim no religion at all. Now, there have always been atheists and agnostics in our world, in our culture. But it seems like in a lot of places now they're winning. A lot. And some of them are not content just to disbelieve for themselves. Some of them are offended when we believe. They're offended by our devotion to him. If you read the newspapers, you'll find out that in a lot of circles, we Jesus followers are becoming the bad guys. Okay. Been there before. To some of them, were simply naive, we're quaint, we're unsophisticated, we're unenlightened. To others, we are the antis, we're anti-intellectual, anti-science, anti-progress, anti-tolerance. They're offended by our insistence that there is a God. And as God, he gets to dictate why things are and what's right and what's wrong. That all of this is on purpose, that his creation is on purpose. They don't think we hold the moral high ground anymore. Now these guys are smart, they're passionate, they're persuasive. Some of them are militant. Some of them are missionary atheists. And our kids are buying it. Can you imagine a Sam Harris, a Richard Dawkins, a Peter Singer, or a Christopher Hitchens standing up here making their case against Jesus? Their case against God? Maybe they'd start off with a blistering attack on everything Old Testament. They'd argue persuasively for a 13.8 billion year old universe. 4.5 billion year old earth and they would mock anybody who would even entertain any alternative they'd point out all of the genocidal directives in the old testament they'd pick out every weird law they could find in the old testament if your kid's disobedient kill them. person's an adulterer kill them. gay kill them. heretics sabbath violators blasphemers kill them. They'd point out the lack of solid archeological evidence for things like the ten plagues or the exodus from Egypt. And then they'd just move on and tear into anyone who would suggest that there is a God. Just look at how many atrocities have been carried out in the name of God, they'd say. Look at, look at all of the evil in the world. If your God is so good and your God is so powerful, why would such a good, powerful God permit so much evil, right? Or at least why wouldn't he protect his own? And what about this weird and cruel notion of a hell? And haven't Christians used their faith? Haven't we used our Bible to support things like slavery and the repression of women? Let me read for you a couple of quotes. Here's Richard Dawkins. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. He's jealous and he's proud of it. Petty, unjust, unforgiving, a control freak, vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Holy cow. Here's Sam Harris. He says, it's time that we admitted from kings and presidents on down that there is no evidence that any of our books was authored by the creator of the universe. The Bible, it seems certain, was the work of sand-strewn men and women who thought the earth was flat, for whom a wheelbarrow would have been a breathtaking example of emerging technology. To rely on a document like that as the basis for our worldview however heroic the efforts of the redactors, is to repudiate 2,000 years of civilizing insights that the human mind has only begun to inscribe upon itself through secular politics and scientific culture. We will see that the greatest problem confronting civilization is not merely religious extremism, rather it's the larger set of cultural and intellectual accommodations that we have made to any kind of faith itself. Are they right? Is what we are doing here this morning simply the height of superstition and folly? You see, we actually believe that Jesus was God. That he was the creator himself. We believe that Jesus died. He was buried and three days later he walked out of his tomb. We believe he gets to dig Why we're here and how we're supposed to live We actually believe That by following him We'll beat death too That's kind of weird stuff Isn't it Why would we believe Any of this stuff
2: So Tell me what happened I was there They crucified him. I can show you where they buried him. What difference does it make at this point? I understand, but just start from the beginning. sentence points and says look so we all looked look he said the lamb of God (laughs) just what we all needed right a lamb that's the first time I saw him the lamb that is Jesus you were with Jesus as well I was three years, right up until,
0: oh well, yesterday, it was amazing, he was amazing, and the crowds, oh, I've never seen so many people in one place, and it was everywhere, everywhere we went, more crowds, they came to listen, they came to watch, some came to criticize, others to be healed, and he touched touched untouchable people and and they were healed
2: I'm not sure I understand he was healing people but you seem offended he told a man
3: his sins were forgiven people are so naive only God can forgive sin his fault made mockery of the law and he never lifted a finger to stop them. He would defend them. He would defend them and criticize us, us. I was there the day he claimed to be greater than the temple. Then the rumors started, rumors that he would actually destroy the temple. And the ignorant peasants he surrounded himself with believed him than peasants. Sinners. Tax gatherers. (laughs) Women. That day, I felt alive.
2: They knew we were coming. By that time, they they knew every move we made. We didn't know who to trust. But that that didn't concern him. So off we went into the jaws of the lion, Jerusalem, and the whole world. Was waiting for us. They lined the streets. The sound of their shouts was deafening. And I'll admit, it it, it went to our heads. But not him. He seemed preoccupied. I, I would say worried. But I'm not sure that he ever worried. And then things got strange. over all about him he he said the bread was his body and then the wine was his blood we were used to that kind of thing but but this seemed more unusual than normal even for him then he announced a new covenant we had no idea what that meant and then he gave us a new command and we, we certainly didn't need any more of those so what was the problem the problem
3: Jesus was the problem. The crowds loved him. The crowds flocked to him. And the crowds not only believed him, they were beginning to believe in him. That was a problem. So, we took care of him. You mean, you killed him? No, Rome killed him. Lucky for us, it was one of his own that led us to him. And once we had him, well, all the other peasants scattered, as we suspected they would. But let's be clear,
2: we did not kill him. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. I should have made him their king. I saw more courage, more integrity in those eyes. That in the eyes of any of their high priests, they were jealous. Ask my wife. I tried to save him. But as soon as I mentioned king, we have no king but Caesar, they chanted. will settle down now. So, what do you do now? We hide. We wait. Didn't he say he'd be back? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, He said a lot of things. More than you have room to write. So, do you think he'll be back? Back? I don't know. I don't think so.
1: And we wouldn't have thought so either, right? I mean, you would have expected Jesus to do what every other dead person does stay dead. That's why there were no Jesus followers there that Sunday morning. I mean if you were a Jesus follower and you expected Jesus Christ to rise from the dead wouldn't you be camping out at the tomb waiting watching expecting all excited like? There were no Jesus followers there because all of us all of us expected Jesus to stay dead. All of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them tell us that when the Sabbath was over, right when the shops opened up, Mary Magdalene and some other ladies purchased some spices so they could anoint the body, the body of Jesus. Things had happened so fast, they hadn't had time to prepare his body adequately, so they bought these spices so they could doll up a corpse. That's what they expected. By the way, no one in that world would have invented a story like this. Women didn't count in that world. No one would have made up a story in which women were the first ones to see Jesus. But in that moment, they were like all of the other Jesus followers. This man they loved, this amazing teacher, even this miracle worker, they had hoped he was the Messiah. They were wrong, clearly. Because God would never allow the real Messiah to be crucified. They'd watched him die. They'd watch their dreams die. Can you imagine their desolation, their despair as they followed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus when they put Jesus' corpse into Joseph's tomb? Those guys that had hopes in Jesus too. All of them, all of them are in shock. Well, that Sunday morning, these ladies are asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone because it's way too heavy for us? You see, they fully expected the tomb to be sealed, the body of Jesus inside beginning to decompose. When they got there, somehow the stone had been rolled back. And Luke, who was an extraordinarily careful investigative reporter, he interviewed all the witnesses he could find. He says they went inside and when they got inside, they were thoroughly confused. Guys, you need to get this. If you're a Jesus follower you need to get this. If you're not a Jesus follower yet you need to get this. If you used to be but you have doubts now or maybe someone just drug you to church here this morning because it's Easter you need to get this none of Jesus closest followers, none of them expected Jesus to rise from the dead all of them expected a body they expected Jesus to do what other dead people do stay dead when Mary and the ladies who were with her stared into the empty tomb they assumed exactly what you would assume someone stole the body someone's taken him so when they run to the disciples and tell them what happened they said they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb we don't know where they've put him we don't know where they took him we don't know where the corpse is and when they raised the remote possibility that perhaps he'd been raised from the dead like he said he would the disciples didn't buy it it sounded like absurd nonsense to his closest followers the guys who had heard Jesus predict his resurrection repeatedly they didn't buy it guys if you have any skepticism at all about this Easter stuff stand in line they did too And if you're willing to admit that there really was a Jesus of Nazareth, and once upon a time, a lot of people tried denying that, but that didn't work. But if you're one of those guys that think that maybe Jesus did exist, maybe he was a great teacher, maybe he lived a great life and had some lessons that we ought to listen to, but there's no way he's the Son of God, the Messiah, raised from the dead? Really? If you're like that, you're in good company. That's exactly what Jesus' earliest followers were like when they discovered that his tomb was empty. None of them, nobody assumed a resurrection, even after they found an empty tomb. They all thought Jesus was going to stay dead. Well, when Peter and John heard what the women said, they had to go see for themselves. So Peter looks inside the tomb and he sees the cloths that Joseph and Nicodemus had used to wrap Jesus' corpse body's gone (laughs) you know what they didn't do they didn't go running through the streets shouting all excited like he's back he's back they didn't go down to the temple they didn't track down the guys who killed him and say you killed him God raised him sucks to be you John's got an inkling the rest of them are entirely mystified guys this is huge These guys are documenting their own disbelief. These guys, the closest Jesus followers, all the guys who would write down their story, document the unbelief, the skepticism of the very person, people who would lead this movement that's about to begin. They were men and women who had lost all hope. They expected nothing more. There was no dream to keep alive. There was no movement to get started in their minds. That night, the disciples are still in hiding because they're afraid that the guys who killed Jesus would come for them next. They still don't buy it. Now, when Jesus shows up that night, they respond exactly the way that you might respond or that I might respond. If we saw someone we had buried a couple of days ago show up in the room... Luke says they were startled. Huh? No kidding. They thought he was a ghost. I think Luke's pretty gentle. I kind of figured that every one of them wet their pants. They still didn't get it. None of them are like, "Jesus, we've been expecting you. It's about time you showed up. Let's get this thing going." This is mind-blowing. This was so new, so unexpected, so confusing, so unimaginable. And I know that he had told them about this repeatedly before, but it was so unthinkable. They just didn't get it. Messiahs don't die. Jesus says, why are you scared? Now, I know that Jesus never asked stupid questions, but this one's kind of funny. Why are you scared? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see where they drove the nails. Touch them. You still think I'm a ghost? Bible tells us for the next 40 days, these guys tell us for the next 40 days, he keeps showing up. He keeps eating with them, teaching them, loving on them, preparing them. And right before he left, he said something that's going to change their lives forever and ours. He says, you guys, you guys You're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. And they were. They were witnesses to the event that changed the world. They were witnesses to the event that launched the church. Guys, it was the resurrection of Jesus. It was the resurrection of Jesus that created Christianity. It was the resurrection of Jesus that launched the church. The church didn't create the Bible. It didn't create the story of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus launched the church and created our faith. See, before the resurrection, there were no Christians. Even after he was crucified, there were no believers. They'd all given up hope. Nobody was ready to launch a movement in Jesus' name. Nobody was gonna go out and repeat his teaching. Jesus claimed too much about himself, and his crucifixion proved that he was not who he claimed to be. Risen Jesus changed all that. And we believe Jesus rose from the dead because of these witnesses, the witness of these incredible men. Now, I wonder how a, the Apostle Peter might respond to a Richard Dawkins or a Sam Harris or a Peter Singer or a Christopher Hitchens. I wonder if he might say something like this Well, guys never given much thought to the age of the earth so I really can't comment on that and I am familiar with the God of what you call it the Old Testament I know my people's story and I know what God said to Moses and Joshua those genocidal directives is that what you called them? I'm sure the reason I've never really questioned those stories is because I I was raised but guys none of that stuff that bothers you, has anything to do with why I follow Jesus. You guys don't think we think too well. Well, let me explain my reasoning. I just have one reason. When my teacher was arrested, (laughs) I ran. When I was asked if I knew him, I lied. When the Romans crucified him, he died. In that moment, I was just like you, I had no faith, I had no reason to believe, I didn't know what to believe. When the women burst into the room early that morning to tell us the tomb was empty, I didn't assume a miracle. I'm no fool. You ever seen a crucifixion? Of course not. Let me tell you, nobody survives a crucifixion. I assumed somebody had stolen the body, or maybe the women had gotten confused and gone to the wrong place. But I was curious. So I went to see for myself, and before I knew it, I was running, and yeah, I guess I was hoping some. But when John and I stared into that empty cave, we didn't know what to think. Later that day, Mary Magdalene found us and insisted she'd seen the Master alive. I would not allow myself to believe it. See, I just spent three years chasing a confused rabbi, I wasn't going to spend another minute chasing ghosts. Besides, I had a price on my head. If I wasn't careful, I'd be a ghost myself. So that night, as was our habit, the boys and me, we found a safe house just outside of town. Doors were locked, and we kind of huddled inside, whispering about everything that had happened. (laughs) And he just shows up. I swear it. Doors were locked. No one saw him walk in. But we looked up and there he was, very much alive. Listen, guys, I can't argue with anything you've said, but I'd like to clarify one thing. My reason for believing in Jesus isn't something I've heard or read or had read to me. I believe what I believe because I saw him. I know for a fact Nick and Joe buried him. Only God could raise him. And I saw him. And guys, that's the reason. That's the only reason for my hope in Jesus. And we believe these disciples were telling the truth. We believe because of Matthew, the guy who wrote the gospel of Matthew. He was there. And he wrote down what he saw and he wrote down what he heard. And he spent the rest of his life telling the story of Jesus. Until they killed him too. We believe because of Mark, the guy who wrote the gospel of Mark. He worked right alongside Peter. He worked right alongside Paul. He tells us Peter's story of Jesus. Peter never backed down. In fact, Nero had Peter crucified upside down for preaching Jesus. Upside down because Peter said, I'm not worthy to die in the same way that my Lord died. We believe because of Luke. The guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's about as careful as a historian as they get. He interviews as many eyewitnesses as he can. And he works right alongside him for the rest of his life. Spreading the story of this Jesus. We believe because of John. The guy who wrote the Gospel of John. He was an eyewitness of these things. And he spent the rest of his life preaching Jesus. Encouraging Jesus followers. We believe because of James James is the brother of Jesus Jesus appeared to him too can you imagine what would it take for you to declare your brother to be your Lord it's gonna take more than a few card tricks isn't it but when James met his resurrected brother that's exactly what he declared Jesus is my Lord we believe because the apostles, to the man, spent the rest of their lives serving this resurrecting Jesus, even though it cost most of them their lives, and not a one of them backed down, backed off, backed away. And we believe because the apostle Paul, maybe the fiercest Jesus hater of the early church, become the fiercest Jesus follower in the early church. I wonder what the Apostle Paul might have responded to a Richard Dawkins, or a Sam Harris, or a Peter Singer, or a Christopher Hitchens. Maybe he'd say something like this. Gentlemen, you believe that religion is dangerous. I agree. I weaponized Judaism. I arrested, jailed, tortured, and oversaw executions in the name of God. You guys aren't fond of Christians. (laughs) I wasn't either. But while you guys are content to attack them with your pens, I used a sword and a noose. I wasn't content to write about it. I got deputized and I did something about it. My intent was to stamp out the way. That's what we called it back then. And I was absolutely convinced that I was doing God's work. Religion indeed can be a dangerous thing. But something happened. Maybe you've read about it. I was on my way to Damascus to do more violence. In the name of religion when I went blind it's so while I was blind that I began to see you think our stories are weird well this one's weird guys I'm just telling you what happened I heard a voice the voice said Saul why are you persecuting me and I had a hunch who it was but I asked anyway who are you Lord Gentlemen, I don't expect you to believe me, but the voice said I am Jesus. I am Jesus the one you're persecuting. Jesus is in the one that we crucified and buried. Long story short, I was commissioned by the God that I thought I was serving all along to take the name of Jesus into the world, which is exactly what I did. And from what I understand, nobody in your modern world disputes that that's exactly what I did. The only thing you can dispute is why I did it. So you tell me, guys, why would a die-hard Pharisee like me do an about-face and serve the very person whose memory I had set out to destroy? What's your theory? If you're going to dismiss the Christian faith, it's not enough just to discount the credibility of my ancestors. How are you going to discount me? Oh, and one last thing. For the record, there's only one really weird story that matters. It's the story that Peter told you. The one that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they all documented. And if you think about it, it's not a whole lot weirder than something that you guys believe. You believe that everything that exists emerged out of nothing for no reason at all. Well, Peter and I believe that the one who created everything, God, raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, guys, we are Jesus followers because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. If a man can predict his own death and his own resurrection and pull it off, I think we'd better follow him. Don't you? Would you pray with me? Father, it's an amazing story. once you come to understand that there's a God it's certainly within your power and it's certainly within your grace for Jesus we give you thanks for his grace we give you thanks for the power that was demonstrated that day we give you our thanks in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior our Lord our
0: Messiah we pray Amen.